Lord Jesus, we thank you for your spirit that is in our midst. We thank you for your kingdom that you said was within us. We thank you that when you went back to heaven and assumed your place at the right hand of the Father, that you did so in a posture where you would intercede for us to the Father. We're also grateful that you formed your body. You, you said to your disciples that you would build your church and that you have done that and you are doing that and you will continue to do that until that day. We also thank you that you included us in your church, which is your body. And as we look at the scriptures and we allow your spirit to teach us today, we pray that our eyes would be open and our hearts would be receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, uh, anoint me to be able to say the words that you want me to say and to not express my own opinion, but to express the word of God, which is active and living. Speak to us today, Lord God. I thank you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We are continuing the series, The Church Which Is His Body, which proves there is an everlasting gospel. And uh, we've been doing this a while. And we did a few messages to begin this series. And then we got into what I'm calling a series within a series uh, on the gifts, on the spiritual gifts. And if you recall, we originally dealt with the leadership gifts, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then we've moved to Romans 12 in dealing with what I've named the gifts from the Father that are different. And uh, today, we're going to be dealing with the gift of showing mercy. We've dealt with the gift of serving, the gift of exhortation. We've dealt with the gift of giving, uh, the gift of leadership. And today, the gift of mercy. If I missed one, I'm sorry. Um, but in when we do this, we're going to see that mercy is one quality that we all need at one time or another. Every one of us need mercy. Why is that? Well, Romans 3.10 says there is none. Everybody say none. None, none righteous. I know that goes against the prosperity positive gospel, but anyway, what my, my intent is not to satisfy that crowd. My intent is to communicate to you the word of God. The word of God says none righteous, no, not one. So therefore, we need mercy. Is that right? A few verses later, Paul writes, for all, everybody say all. all. Somebody, everybody say, I'm part of the all. All have sinned and fallen short. Of the glory of God. So because all, say all, all, have fallen short of the glory of God and all have sinned, we need mercy. If not for mercy, we'd still be in that state. We'll also see that God's character is one of mercy to us. It's not just that God extends mercy, and that's true, but the reason that he extends mercy to us is because that's his nature. That's his character. That's who he is. And then we'll finish up by talking about that we, in turn, because he ministers mercy to us, we minister mercy to one another. How many of you would like to have more mercy? Come on, and we'll pray for the rest of you. Turn with me to Romans 12. 
this will be our last Sunday in this passage next time. Uh, we'll, we'll move over into 1 Corinthians 12 and deal with two more. But today I want to read uh, Romans 12, 4 through 8, one last time, at least in this setting. And uh, if you would uh, honor the Word of God by standing while we read the Scripture. I'm just going to read 4 through 8. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Remember last week I wanted I pointed out that we are not members of an organization or a society or an institution necessarily, but we're members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them or exercise them. If prophecy... In proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and then our topic today, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You can be seated. Listing the gifts that differ, that come from the Father, Having gifts that differ, let us use them. Let us exercise them. And probably along the way, some of you have already recognized one of two things. You've recognized one, that some of the gifts that we've already talked about, that you see yourself in them. You see yourself in the gift of giving or in the gift of exhortation or the gift of serving. Or you have you have listened to these teachings and you thought of someone and you say, oh, that's why they jump to serve every time something's needed. That's why they're already always encouraging people, because they have a gift from God to do that. Mercy is also a gift, the gift of showing mercy. Now, mercy uh, comes from, in the Hebrew word, and I, I wish our friend Avi was here this morning because he could pronounce this better than I could, uh, hesed or kesed, and you have to sound really gross to say it the right way. And a Jewish person can do that without any effort. But anyway, uh, it's a word that appears 250 times in the Old Testament, and it's usually translated things like loving kindness, of course, mercy, tenderness, faithfulness, and unfailing love. Mercy. We're reading the New Testament, so we're reading what was what comes out of a Greek manuscript. So the Greek counterpart to this is Elios. Doesn't doesn't matter that you know that word, but that word is pretty much the same. It assumes need on the part of the recipient. It assumes there's a need, and then it assumes that the resources are adequate to meet that need. Now that may be money, that may be encouragement, that may be any number of things, but but it assumes that there's a need. And that the one who sees the need has the resources to fill the need. God, if God gives you a burden for someone that is in a particular place, he's going to give you whatever the resources are they need. He's not going to show you a need and you not have the wherewithal to meet the need. James said, the guy's hungry, give him a sandwich. He didn't quite say that, but that's basically what he said. Mercy is a disposition to exercise compassion. Compassion, real briefly, is that 
posture that we take that we are we are we've shared the passion of someone now i don't mean that what you think we share it means that we identify with someone in their particular predicament and it's not that we just say oh i'm sorry that you're going through that it's that we feel something with them we have compassion on them and with them and mercy is the disposition to exercise that Mercy begins with a simple recognition that someone around you is hurting. Y'all know, I don't have to ask you the question, but you know that we live in a society of hurting people. Now, we're in the second most affluent county in the state of Tennessee where where we're standing and sitting today. And I want to tell you, there's a plethora of people in this county, in middle Tennessee, who are hurting. You know it, and I know it. You know them. You live with some of them. Mercy, this is important, mercy moves from a feeling to action. This is what we got to understand about mercy. It's not just a feeling. It begins with a feeling. It begins with compassion. It begins with that identification. But if it doesn't move to an action, it's not real mercy. Mercy... The best definition for mercy, it is active compassion for those in need or distress. Everybody say active. active. See, that's not just, well, I feel sorry for you, or I wish somebody would come along and help you. Active compassion puts your own hand to the plow. Active compassion, you get involved. And that's the problem with the priest and the Levite in the Good Samaritan story. The priest and the Levite, they were on their way to camp meeting and revivals and conferences. They didn't have time to stop and help that poor soul in the ditch that the robbers had left for dead. They were, they were too busy. And of course, Jesus, don't, don't you just love Jesus? And I love him for a lot of reasons, but one of them is, can I say this without being sacrilegious? Sometimes he'd be just a little bit of a rascal. <laughs> when he's talking to that crowd and he makes the hero a Samaritan, I mean, that is great. I mean, that's just, that is genius. And he has this Samaritan who they didn't even want to have anything to do with. The Samaritan woman told Jesus that we don't even share the same dishes with you guys. Because you think we're less than. But he's got the Samaritan who had, who took the time and his compassion became action with the man in the ditch. So that's what mercy looks like. And we understand this mercy. It starts with this. God is merciful to us. The Bible says that we love because he first... Say first. first. Loved us. So we don't have anything to give in the, in the arena of love until God gives us something to give. None of us were born with a capacity to love the way God loves. Oh, yeah, we were born with a capacity for some of the other loves. But agape and hesed, we were not born with that capacity in, in our flesh. But God saved us and he loved us. And now he, so if you will, if you will permit me to carry that one step further, that we give mercy because he gave mercy to us first. 
it, it begins with him, his giving to us. Part of the package of him giving us his love was that he gave us his mercy. Mercy is the aspect of God's nature that causes him to help the needy and the miserable and the, the rejected and the unfortunate. His, it's that part of God that causes him to respond to whatever we're going through. And here's the good news, saints. He knows what you're going through before you know. He knows what you're going to be dealing with before you know. Jesus says to Peter, Satan has asked me for permission to sift you like wheat. And you know what Peter was waiting on. The same thing I would have been waiting on. The next words out of Jesus' mouth should have been, and I told him no. We all know that's not what happened. Jesus said, he's asked for permission to sift you like wheat. Now, if Satan's going to sift you like wheat, that is not a pleasant experience. Jesus said to Peter, I've prayed for you. Wait a minute, I want more than that. Come on now. Tell him to leave you. Tell him to leave me alone. It's not what he said. He said, I just said to him, yeah, go ahead. I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And then he says, and when you have fallen, he knew Peter was going to fall before Peter knew he was going to fall. When you have fallen and you come back, he also knew Peter was going to come back. Strengthen your brothers. And then it wasn't too far into the distant future in Acts chapter 2 that Peter was the main speaker at the conference. And 3,000 people got saved. So God's character is to have mercy for those who may be dealing with stuff. Whatever curves life has thrown. Can you Do you know life happens? I know they put another bumper sticker out a few years ago. It had another word on there. But the truth is, life happens. And you've heard me say, we live in a fallen world, surrounded by fallen people, doing fallen things, and the residue we have to deal with. Even if we're doing right, we still have to deal with the residue. Ephesians 2 describes what I call the depravity of mankind. I'm not turning there, but you can if you want to. It describes the depravity. It says that you... We're dead in trespasses and sins. Some versions say that while you were dead or, or so that you were dead in trespasses and sins. And then he says that you formerly walked or lived according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. That's the devil and his demons. So before mercy, we walked according to the prince of the power of the air. He said that is the spirit that is now working in the children of disobedience. He said, before mercy, you lived in the lust of the flesh. In other words, you lived to satisfy what your flesh wanted and what your flesh craved. You've heard me say that our flesh and the desires of the carnal flesh can never, everybody say never, never be satisfied. There is no place 
where we have satisfied our flesh enough that it says, cool, man, we're all right. No, your flesh always wants more. And so he said, you lived in that and you indulge in its desires. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, so hang on. And you were by nature children of wrath. I know people get upset with me sometimes when I say this, but if you don't believe in the original sin, you've never been around a baby. A baby is the most selfish, self-centered person in the world. And the whole world is supposed to, and it does, it's supposed to revolve around them. And when it doesn't, they let us know about it. And that's because we are by nature children of wrath. God has a solution for all that, and we know what the solution is. God, who he goes on to say, is rich in mercy. Rich in, in other words, he's got enough for you. And he's got enough for you, and he's got enough for you. And God never runs out of mercy. I've heard people say, well, you know, pray for so-and-so. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Like they think God is so small that he can't deal with both of y'all. He's rich in mercy. He steps in and inserts himself into our life of destruction. Aren't you glad that God interjects himself into our life? Because he's rich in mercy. If you don't mind turning with me to Titus 3, I meant to tell you that earlier. I want you to see this. If you're not going to turn, if you'd write it down and read it later. I want you to see this with your own dilated pupils. Uh, let's see. Well, let's back up to verse 4, Titus ver- chapter 3, verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. And He saved us not but because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own Everybody say it. Mercy. By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. He saved us not because of anything that we have done. We are not Christians because we have done good works, but we do good works because we are Christians. And he saved us because of his mercy. There was nothing of value in us that he looked and said, well, I think I'm going to save that one because I think they're a pretty good person. You know, they've been nice to their parents and they've, so I'm going to save that one because, no, he said, he, I'm going to save you, not because of you, but because of me. God saved us not because of us, but because of his own character, which is mercy. Aren't you glad you received mercy? I wanted you to be gladder than that. Let's just go uh, Lamentation says it is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness that we are not consumed. Because his tender mercies never fail and they are new every morning. We used to sing this song that they were new. The mercy of God and the mercies of God are new every morning. Isn't it great that when you get up tomorrow morning, the mercies of God are all brand new? God doesn't have any wore out mercy for you. He doesn't have any used mercy for you. 
He has new mercies every day because it's a new day every day. Then you can say, then you can get up tomorrow morning and you can say, good morning, Lord, instead of good Lord morning. (laughs) Going to bank sometimes on Mondays and how are y'all doing in here? Well, it's Monday. So that's a great day. Some of you remember a few years ago in our conference in Gatlinburg that John Beckett was one of our speakers and he owns a company in Ohio and he wrote a book called Loving Monday. I highly recommend it for everybody, especially people who are in business or have businesses. Loving Monday because God's mercies are new every day. God continually extends his mercies to us every day. I think that's pretty good news. And because of that, we are merciful to others. We are merciful because he is merciful to us. I'm going to ask you to turn to one more passage. I'm not not doing sword drills today. Luke 6. If you would turn to Luke chapter 6, and there's a reason. And once again, if you can't turn or don't want to, um, then we'll pray for you. But anyway, um, write it down and read it later. Luke 6, verse 32, uh, and I didn't say this earlier, but I'm reading from the English Standard Version. He said, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? That's easy. He said, for even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Are you a loan shark? Or anyway? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Oh, Lord Jesus, you're meddling now. Love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Verse 36, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Now continue on two more verses. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Watch this. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give. And that will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. I submit to you that we often, not necessarily incorrectly, but we often quote verse 38 in the context of money. Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together. And it's a mantra of the prosperity gospel. Now, I'm not going to say that's a totally incorrect use of the verse, but I'm going to tell you that it's not the context. You see the context? It's the context of mercy and forgiveness. And he's not saying if you want to give some money, it'll come back to you. He's saying if you want some mercy, give some mercy. If you want forgiveness, give forgiveness. If you if you want it, sow it. Give. And he particularly is dealing in this passage with mercy. Do we want mercy? I want mercy. How do I get mercy? I give it to somebody else. I'll be merciful. When Peter writes, you once were 
not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. First Peter 2. You, you had not received mercy, but now you have. And because you receive mercy, you are the people of God. You are the chosen priesthood, the royal priesthood. And so we extend, when, we, when we're merciful to people, we extend the very mercy, active compassion of God in a tangible way to someone around us. And in some ways, and you just have to let me get by with this, some ways we are God to that person, little g. We are as God to that person. And so doing, we are definitely communicating the very nature of God and who God is. It's an old, an old theologian by the name of R.V.G. Tasker. I've got you a great quote from Mr. Tasker. The merciful are those who are conscious that they are themselves the unworthy recipients of God's mercy and that but for the grace of God, they would not only be not only sinners but condemned sinners. They endeavor to reflect in their dealings with others something of the mercy God has shown to them. And the more they do so, the more God's mercy is extended to them. That's us. We extend his mercy. Jesus himself said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I'd say to you today that if we are unwilling to offer mercy to the hurting and the suffering around us, that we've forgotten our own plight. We have forgotten where we have come from. And we forgot about the Lord's hand helping us in our own misery. It's like, in, I've quoted it recently, the, the, in the, I talked to the men about forgiveness one Friday night, <clears throat> about the guy who owed master some money, and the master said, come in here. He said, and he took the document and said, paid in full. You don't owe me anything else. I'm erasing your debt. And he said, thank you, that's great. And he went out and found the guy who owed him money, and he said, pay me, pay me what you owe me. Pay me what you owe me. And he, the Bible says he put his hand around his throat and began to choke him. So the former master heard about this. He said, go get that guy. And he put him in jail because he had forgotten his own plight. He had forgotten the mercy that he had received from this, from this guy. And when we are not willing to offer mercy, then we've forgotten. And the other thing is the offering of mercy is not done with an expectation of response or return. You don't give mercy so, you can, so they can do it back to you. How many of you know that when you sow mercy into someone's life, you see someone hurting, when you sow mercy into that person's life, most of the time that's not where it comes back to you from. It comes back from over here. You don't do it. Don't offer mercy with an expectation of getting a return. This is not an investment. Hmm. Finally, we're going to talk about the gift of showing mercy. just want to ask some questions, and I want you to just think about these to yourself. Are you often drawn to people who are suffering 
or they are in distress? Are you attracted to those people? Do they get your attention? Do you like helping the sick or the needy, the uh, senior citizens, the elderly, those who are disabled? Does that is that something that lights your fire? Let's say, or gets you all jazzed up? Do you find yourself wanting to and liking, and this, I guess we all should like this to a certain measure, but some people like a lot to participate in ministries <clears throat> that work with things like food pantries and shelters and senior citizen activities and centers, helping people. Is that something that you just really get jazzed about? And for the young people, if you're considering college, <laughs> are you, thank you, Deb, are you looking For majors like psychology and sociology and health sciences, social work or medicine, are you thinking about things in that in that stream? And another thing to ask is: Do people seek you out when they're having a tough time? Do people find you when they're going through something of misery and and misfortune? Do they find you? Do they seek you out? And, and of course, the reason they seek you out is because they see something in you that you've extended before. Those questions will help us to understand. But here's what the spiritual gift of mercy looks like. The spiritual gift of mercy is one in which a person demonstrates a strong ability to empathize with others with compassion, words, and actions. The the operative words in that definition is strong ability. Everybody should extend mercy. But there are some people who just have a strong ability to, to walk into a situation. You've heard my brother stood right here one time 20-something years ago or 18 years ago, I don't know, and said a friend is someone who's walking in the door when everyone else is walking out. That's mercy. Some people have that gift. And some people in this room and under the sound of my voice have the gift of showing mercy. Those with the gift of mercy have an ability to feel the distress that another person is going through. To feel what they're, to feel the pain. Bill Clinton wasn't the only one that could feel the pain. Did I just lose the anointing? (laughs) People with a gift of mercy are able to identify with other people and to vicariously experience what they're experiencing. To to walk through something with people and to have some empathy with that situation, to feel what they're feeling, to, to feel the pain, the distress. It's not your pain. It's not your distress. Of course, 1 Corinthians 13 said, you know, that, if we love someone, we feel what they're, we cry with them and we laugh with them. That's the Granger paraphrase. If you don't, you can have that, Larry, to take back with you. And the gift of showing mercy ultimately is something that will identify a need, and here's the key, spring into action. If you have the, the gift of showing mercy, you have a propensity to when you see that need, you're going to spring into action. You're not waiting for someone to send out an email. You're not waiting for someone to call you. If you know there's a need, the gift of mercy rises up within you, 
and you spring into act, whatever that action may be, whatever that whatever that that cause may be, and you feel the need, the gift of showing mercy. So then Hebrews says this, and we'll conclude with this verse. It'll be on the screen. Hebrews four sixteen. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God's mercy is designed to meet us in our time of need. It's designed to meet us in our situation. When life happens, mercy happens bigger. When life happens, mercy moves in to take residence. And he moves in, mercy moves in through God's people, administering mercy. Amen? Lord Jesus, thank you for mercy. Thank you that not only do we receive mercy from you, but you put it within us to extend that same mercy to other people. I also thank you that as you are as you are building and continue to build your body, that you have set in place in your body those who have the spiritual gift of showing mercy. That while we all are called and should show mercy to one another, there are some of us who have a strong ability to spring into action and feel the need. I thank you that you so ordered your body so that we could go out into the fields and the highways and the byways. We could also minister to one another as children of God, your mercy. And we could live together as, as people of God with mercy. So I pray for every person under the sound of my voice today that we would all uh, be endued with an ability to show mercy and especially for those that you've gifted with a strong ability. Lord God, give them opportunity. We understand that there would be nothing more frustrating than to have the gift of showing mercy and never have the opportunity to exercise it. There's plenty of people around us every day that are hurting Plenty of people who need your touch. Show, show us the path to them. We, and we, we finally, we just say, we thank you that you're a merciful God. We thank you that you're a God of mercy. And because of that, we have not been consumed. Thank you, Lord Jesus.